Welcome to episode 116 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the greatest day in motorsports part two edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew, I'm the host, and uh, coming back for our second time this week, and uh, we'll reintroduce the cast of characters. Of course, I have my co-host, Josh Fine. What's going on, man? Doing good, man. It's a great weekend of motorsports and ready to go on in part two, what we got a preview for the weekend. We have two guests from earlier this week back to go and discuss the specific races that they'll be most excited about, albeit all three races are exciting. And we even have a race right now where Raja Karuth is about to go and eat it. He saved it. Look at that guy. Look at that pimp. What a save in three and four there. Um, I don't know who tried to wreck him there. He was trying to go past the car that was going 35 miles an hour slower than him. Um, I'll go and throw to... uh, Joe Passero of fansided.com, Beyond the Flag, a guy who definitely deserves a credential, unlike Grant Cohn. Um, thanks for coming back on the GSP. We're getting ready for uh, the greatest stay in motorsports, man. And the 600, of course, we're not going to get into um, actual practice until tomorrow night and qualifying. But it is a Coca-Cola 600 weekend. We already have racing on track right now. Um, and Raja Karuth having to pass Tony Bridinger, that, that might've been part of it. Oh yeah. Between that and having to avoid the 48 car that would do that, but he saved it. What a pimp. I want that car now. Well, thanks for having me back on. I'm really excited. Uh, and I'm definitely feeling better than I was last time we talked, uh, still on the recovery path. So doing good there, but yeah, we already saw some on track action today for, uh, the trucks and the Xfinity trucks are going to be racing here shortly after this ARCA race finishes up. So we sort of have an idea of maybe what to expect from the track, not necessarily from the cup drivers or that next gen car. So uh, it'll be interesting. You know, there's there's some speculation right now as to who the favorites are going to be, what might happen. But uh, we're not really going to know until tomorrow night. Uh, so we're going to take our best shot with it tonight. Yeah, and that's really all we can do at this point in regards to the both the Xfinity race that, of course, they'll be doing. There's been practice, I guess, in qualifying, but there uh, and the Cup race especially. Um, but hey, that's what it's about here on the GSP. And our other guest, the owner and key contributor on IndyCar1909.com, busy today, of course, with. Um, Carb Day, definitely some interesting events that took place during Carb Day practice. Uh, the pit stop competition won, of course, by Penske. Uh, it's just there's certain things you can rely on, death taxes and um, uh, Penske winning the Indy, the pit stop competition after they announced that Shell and Pennzoil will be back with them in a wide-ranging deal um, today in covering I don't know how many different areas. So uh, we welcome back Spencer Neff here on the Gripster Podcast. Thanks for coming on again, man. Yeah, thanks for having me back on, Phil. Um, You're on mute. Oh. Can you hear me? Okay, there you go. Uh, so my mom thought you were hilarious last time, and she loved your bit about being a drunken podcaster, so I've followed your lead. I've got my um, Alf uh, King Pale Ale by Three Floyds. Um, anybody who's familiar with the Indiana area, great brewery they've got some great stuff so um yeah there's some pretty crazy stuff we had the first um carb day with two cars involved in an incident since I believe 1987 i think oh, I had, um special shout out to paul dalney i believe his name was at field of 33 for 
helping me out with that information. Um, you got New Garden becoming the eighth driver to win for Penske in their 18th pit stop competition win. Um, got Shell coming on to replace Speedway next year, going to 100% renewable fuel, I think. Um, and so I wanted to give a special belated birthday shout out to my dad. Uh, his birthday was yesterday, so um, yeah, without spoiling too much. So um, we had Tony Kanan lead in practice. Sorry to bury the lead with all my nonsense. Um, like I said, it's kind of been Ganassi versus the field. Um, anybody who's kind of followed me and seen what I've thought about it knows kind of where I stand on that. But, you know, we'll see in, um, on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's what uh, this whole weekend and this, I mean, these next few days is all about. We have a long weekend. And uh, before I, before we get into further get into that, I want to uh, give my condolences and from the show and from all of us for the victims of the shooting in Uvalde, Texas, um, connecting that to other, of course, um, serious uh, shooting um, mass shootings that have been going on here in the recent days, weeks, months, and have seen so much uh, un- unnecessary and unfortunate um, loss of life. Uh, it's um, it's a sad commentary on our society, honestly, where we have gotten to where this kind of thing is normal. And it's um, it's not something we like to talk about on the GSP, obviously, we like to keep it fun, keep it loose and talk about, you know, racing and sports. But, you know, when you talk about what has happened here these last few days and the lack of action or care in segments of our society, it, it's scary to think what our um, world has become. Um, and it's, it's and I feel bad and feel so sad for those parents and for those families and for the people that have been so affected here. Um, but, uh, I just wanted to say that and, um, there's not enough, there are no condolences or thoughts and prayers or any of that crap that these certain segments want to go and put out there. Real action has to be taken. People actually have to have a backbone and have a heart and you, you have to go and understand that when it comes to these kind of things, but I'll digress. Um, we'll get into this weekend's action, uh, here on the GSP um, and hope for better days ahead and hope for more positive outcomes as we go along. Um, We will start with Formula One. Uh, This weekend, of course, is the Monaco Grand Prix, and it was a um, Ferrari sweep of Monaco practice going kind of uh, similar to what has been going on all season the ferraris usually run well in practice but then the red bulls respond um in second practice charles leclerc led by 44 ten thousands or 44 thousandths of a second over carlos Sainz with a 112.656 sergio perez was third with verstappen fourth and lando norris rounded out the top five george russell in six for mercedes three quarters of a second behind Lewis Hamilton, 12th, 1.6 seconds behind, um, having issues there. Um, they're having issues with their drivability and the ride. Um, so that's something that will have to be looked into for them. Uh, McLaren, of course, Lando Norris goes and 
finishes top five, but his teammate Daniel Ricardo crashes two laps into practice. So unfortunate um, situation for him there in the former winner of the uh, Monaco Grand Prix. So that'll we'll have to see if he has to lose spots um, because of having to replace any pieces or parts on his car. Um, in regards to that, I'm trying to see over there. Other than that, yeah, Alpine's a little bit off. I mean, Alonso's eighth, but Ocon's 18th. Vettel is ninth for Aston Martin, but Stroll is 16th. The Alphas are a little further off than usual. The Haases aren't as good this week. So right now we will see, I guess, going into um, the race here. Um, also want to go through practice one before I throw to you, Josh. Um, Charles Leclerc um, was fastest over Sergio Perez in practice one by 39 thousandths of a second. Um, in, and uh, Carlos Sainz was seven hundredths of a second back in third. Max Verstappen, 18 hundredths of a second back in fourth. Lando Norris was half a second back in fifth. So basically the same top five. Russell was eighth for Mercedes. Um, nearly seven tenths back, and Lewis Hamilton was nearly a second off um, in tenth. So Mercedes definitely struggling here. Valtteri Bottas had issues. Um, two installation laps, gearbox problem, had to park. The Haases aren't very pacey right now. Williams, of course, having problems. Alfa Romeo's, the Aston Martins. Um, so that's something we will see. So right now, Josh, I guess Ferrari, it's going to be the Back to what we've been seeing most of the year, Ferrari and Red Bull to battle for the pole, battle for this race win. Uh, we went into the stat a few days ago that there really hasn't been a winner outside of the top three, starting outside of the top three in this race in many years. So qualifying is going to come at a premium. Having pace is going to come at a premium for sure, Josh. Yeah, pace is going to be at a premium. And you know, I think with the way Ferrari has been this year, um, especially at this track, um, they're looking for a chance to win because you know last year they tried, uh, they got pole and they uh, were fast with uh, Charles Leclerc, but then you know at the same time you know Charles Leclerc had his issues. He ended up you know crashing the car and then ended up not you know finishing the race. So this is basically like uh, their chance to um, get, I guess, uh, redemption for last year. And you know I think with uh, the way. Th- uh, they've been so far here in practice. You know, Charles Leclerc's uh, you know, put up a really fast time of you know minute uh, twelve and uh, six five six uh, seconds. So you know the uh, the Ferraris have shown a lot of pace between him and and his teammates. So I think either one of uh, them can win the pole with Charles Leclerc or Carlos Sainz, and then. Seems like you know in race uh, pace they've they've got the pace there. Of course, Leclerc being fastest there, and then you know with uh, Perez was uh, just not that far off. But I I mean compared to the way that um, you know they are in qualifying, you know they the um, Perez was uh, about uh, half a second off of uh, Charles Leclerc. Uh, so clearly the advantage here is with Ferrari this weekend. So if they win the pole, um, you know, like we've been saying, um, they're more than likely uh, to win the race. Uh, so, you know, that's that's what it's looking like for a Ferrari. I mean, win the pole, more than likely going to win the race as long as, you know, you don't screw it up with, you know, like what they did last year. 
um, or with some you know stupid strategy call or something and uh, give away the race that way. Uh, so yeah, I definitely expect um, one of the Ferraris to win more than likely Charles Leclerc, who you know of course he had his uh, incident in the uh, classic uh, Monaco GP a couple of weeks ago. So maybe he's got his bad juju, bad luck out of the way uh, for the Monaco Grand Prix. So uh, we'll see what happens, but that's what it's looking like. And then you know of course we had incidents uh, throughout the. Uh, session in second practice we had uh dan ricardo uh crashing uh his car and completely totaling uh the car so um you know not uh, another um thing that has happened to uh dan ricardo you know having a rough season rough go at it since moving to um uh, mclaren and uh it's you know another knock against him uh, unfortunately and um you know looks like you know if things continue to trend this way that they probably wouldn't bring him back uh after this season but uh a tough tough way to begin the weekend um of course his teammate uh had a, a fifth place in both practices so looking like um at least one of them can be solid as terms of in terms of like the midfield points and everything you know you mentioned um mercedes as well struggling so um Looks looks like you know the we know who the top you know contenders are going to be in this race, and then everybody else is going to be basically going for scraps or scalps or whatever uh, as we go along this weekend here at Monaco. Yeah, that's the real uh, thing now is qualifying tomorrow morning. Um, whoever gets pole, can Charles Leclerc, being from Monaco, um, finally break his bad luck that he has had there in his entire Formula One career? Can he go and finally? get a finish there that he's never finished the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, last year he qualified on pull and crashed the car in the swimming pool complex and didn't even start the race. He handed the race to fish lips. Um, I figure that fish lips will definitely be up there um, until further notice. The, it's kind of like last year when I would pick Kyle Larson every week, I'm just going to pick fish lips every week. Um, and um, because he's won three, four in a row anyway, uh, you got Katie Osborne. God, God love her. She has no personality either. That's why Graham Rahal dumped her. Um, uh, Brockshot Jones actually won a race. So, well, when you're going against table scraps, I mean, outside of Raja Karuth, Nick Sanchez, maybe about three other people. I mean, Jesus, I could finish in a top 10 in an ARCA race. And I'm fat, out of shape, and a drunk. Um, I think my Kia would be able to win, finish in a top 10 in its current form, actually, too. I could run better than the 48 car. Um, but getting back to the Formula One race, um, Qualifying's key. We'll see what happens. Ferrari versus Red Bull. Red Bull, I think, have held back a little bit here today. I don't think we know what their true pace is. Ferrari usually has their cards out on the table at all times. Um, that session is going to determine who wins this race um, for sure. So we will see about that. And then next week, of course, we'll talk about it on the Gripshire Podcast, um, episode 117. And um, I think the one thing that might be a wild card is that uh, McLaren, Lando Norris might be able to get on the podium um, outside of the regular top, the top two teams right now. Mercedes doesn't have anything today, this week. I think they're not going to, they'll have a time trying to get into the top 10 in qualifying, which is unfortunate, but um, other Grand Prix are coming where they might be able to compete a little better. Monaco is a very specified, specific track. Mercedes over the years have struggled there. Um, recent years, um, even though they had an advantage and they were able to win uh, in certain ways. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, let's get into the Indy 500. Um, the big news of the day is, of course, um, Colton Herta's huge wreck. 
um, in carb day practice. He was running behind Takuma Sato, slopped ends, looked like he was going to save it on the second um, attempt, went and smacked the right rear corner of his car and then took off uh, like an inverted airplane on the day that uh, Top Top Gun gets released. Um, so unfortunate for one of the young uh, rising stars of IndyCar. Um, Going to, highway to the danger zone. Yeah, the danger zone. They're in the danger zone since they always talk about the danger zone. They, I'm glad they got rid of the one fat tub of crap that they used to have that ta- said that, but they still have Townsend Bell who um, constantly mentions danger zone. So um, we'll see how many danger zone mentions they have during the race. So then you have to take a shot. Um, but unfortunate for Colton Herta crashing there. Um, a lot of work to be done um, this weekend for up to when uh, the race, hopefully they're able to recover um, and have a good chance. Of course, uh, Spencer mentioned it, that Antoine Canon and the uh, number one American Legion car, the 2013 winner of the Indianapolis 500, led uh, practice with his teammate Marcus Erickson in second, two-time Indy 500 winner Takuma Sato in third, Scott Dixon, the now six-time or five-time Indy 500 pole sitter. Sorry, Rick Mears. Five-time Indy 500 pole sitter. In fourth, um, Dryer and Reinbold, Sage Karam, best Chevy. But he's had good speed, and it's kind of uh, Sage Karam's thing to have better race pace, not be able to qualify and make it interesting. It's part of what made him one of the best young talents for many years, the Nazareth, Pennsylvania pro- product. Um the and the uh what is it let's get through all the yeah we got that and um go through the rest of that winch power another former winner sixth jim johnson seventh making what is that four ganassi cars in the top seven pat o'ward who just signed uh extension with uh mclaren so talking about daniel ricardo hitting the wall and then they go and announce an extension with pat o'ward uh, that timing is interesting. Um, and I'm pretty certain that he's going to have a new teammate depending on where he races in this in this world, whether it's in Europe or in the United States uh, next year. Uh, five cars on the lead lap. That's cute. Um, the Pat Marco Andretti bringing the Nazareth feel again for Spencer. Uh, ninth, the former pole sitter for the Indy 500. Is this Marco's year? No, it isn't. But um, uh, he's ninth. Felix Rosenquist, 10th. Connor Daly, who was able to vacuum his pool um, and get the Orbeez out of it, uh, is 11th. So at least his pool's usable here for the next couple of days prior to the Indianapolis 500. Trying to go through. Arenas VK only ran um, 18 laps. So I'm not sure. I guess I'll go to you, Spencer, on that in here in a moment with and Ed Carpenter only ran 23 laps. So a muted session for both um, Ed Carpenter drivers. The Ray Hall cars are not that fast. Some of the Andretti Autosport cars don't seem to have top speed pace, but trying to see what the if they have breakdowns. They don't do like 10 lap, um, 10 lap or 20 lap. Uh, race, whatever, um, uh, uh, splits like they do in NASCAR. So, um, Lucas, right rear. Oh, nice. Oh, so root beer float head turned, uh, David Malukas. Oh, that's convenient. So that's, that's good. 
Um, the former driver for Dale Coin Racing goes and uh, and does that. So proving once again why Santino Ferrucci doesn't have a full time job in IndyCar racing. It's the same thing he did to Arjun Miney in Formula Two and or whatever, and that's why he got fired from uh, Haas. So you know you can't change you can't change the character. You can't change the I, I forget what saying it is. Whatever there's a saying like you Zebra can't. doesn't change its stripes. Exactly. That's it. So I'll throw to uh, first. I'll throw to you, Spencer, and then I'll go around the horn on um, what we think about uh, this Indianapolis 500 now. Uh, now that Carb Day is done, and now we're only less than two days away from the Indianapolis 500, uh, and who we think will win. I guess who we want to win as fans and. Um, and somebody who might be a dark horse candidate. So, Spencer, you have the floor. Oh, well, said Tony Kanaan was, um, I believe he and Erickson, uh, the one, two, they were the only ones up above 227. So, good day for them after, I guess, what I had heard is that Kanaan, uh, inadvertently outed himself as one of the culprits behind that, uh, Orbeez prank with Connor Daly. And, I uh, said that. I said that a couple days ago. I figured it was Kanan and um, and Alexander Rossi. I think was what I I believe. Yeah, yeah. And just um, as a quick side that I saw on um, Trackside Online. I guess I knowing that um, Pancho Carter. The for anybody who doesn't know um, who Pancho Carter is, he was the pole sitter in '85. He's star you know, a veteran of many 500s. He's worked with Dale Coyne, so he's Malukas's spotter. And I didn't realize his son is, I guess, Santino Ferrucci's turn one spotter. Oh, Cole Carter? Cole Carter's? Oh, that's not good. Dane Carter. Dane Carter. Oh, Dane Carter. Oh, yeah, he has multiple yeah. friends. Um, so I'm, I'm sure that was a fun discussion, or that's going to be a fun couple days. Um, so you know, just to kind of go over the second wreck, you know, Lucas was okay. I think know that they kept uh, his name Herta in the um, infield care center right, for a little bit longer because they were getting some accelerometer data, and I think that he got cleared. And you know, he and Lucas are going to back up cars, but they're going to maintain their starting spots. So Lucas is starting thirteenth, but he's been impressive all month. Um, he's kind of been overshadowed like the other. Uh, rookies have, or four, I should say, you know, between Johnson and Groshan, but, you know, love to see how he rebounds. I think he'll have a decent day. Um, Hurt is starting 25th. You know, he obviously had that great showing at the Indianapolis Road Course uh, a couple weeks ago. He came from 14th. His dad, Brian, had a strategy call and got him out, you know, out on drives early in the rain and held on. Um, really impressive win. <clears throat> so, you know, those will be one of two of many to keep an eye on. Um, I said, I've said for you know weeks. My preseason picks been Alex below. I'm not wavering from that, but you know, I think you know your favorites are obviously on the front row with him, flanked by Dixon getting his fifth career pole, and then Renus VK, who is impressive in no-toe speeds for uh, you know a lot of pre-qualifying practices. Um, you know, led Saturday qualifying. Uh, Ed Kanan leading again today. And so, you know, those would be the favorites. As far as somebody who I want to win, you know, Phil kind of rained on that parade, but I'm still, there's still a little part of me holding out hope for that, you know, Andretti curse to finally, finally break. 
um, you know, never know, see if he can make his way up from 23rd or, you know, Sage has, you know, looked impressive all month long. Start He's starting 20th. Um, That's better than usual for him. He yeah. usually starts on the last row, so he only has like nine, eight rows to pass or seven rows to get up from instead of 10. So it's a well, little bit less adventurous for him. Yeah, and Santino's starting 15th, which for him is incredibly well. So, you know, he's another one who's been a hard charger in his short career. Um, so see if he can kind of stay out of trouble and avoid things like he has or like he has in the past and avoid trouble, you know, the kind of trouble that an incident like today's would get him, get him into during the race. Um, so kind of, I'm at as far as favorites and who I could see as a dark horse. And I kind of had a carpenter who's starting fourth. I think that, you know, if it wasn't one of the fan favorites that has already won, like Castro Neves or Canaan, um, obviously everybody here would like to see the hometown guy and carpenter win. Yeah, that would be a big one. Indianapolis kid, um, family used to own the racetrack. Um, so many different uh, connections there as kids are growing up. So we don't know how many Indy 500s that Ed Carpenter has left, obviously. Um, I think he's just going to always run it as long as he has his own team. But it sounds like he wants to expand his team as well. So um, he only just got out of the 20 car um, this year for the full season. So um, we'll see what happens with that. But um, I'm going to throw to you, Josh, um, or actually I'll throw to you, Joe, because I know your storyline and the thing that's brought you into watching this race probably, like many, is one Jim Johnson, uh, the driver of the 48 car, the seven-time NASCAR champion. So um, he's has been a big storyline. He's had a good uh, month or whatever, few weeks, whatever, and uh, qualified well had um has had plenty of media coverage was on the tonight show his daughter was um became a star um on the tonight show so that was cool to see um fallon couldn't understand or or comprehend anything that jimmy was talking about which was fun which is part of why i miss david letterman having a talk show um somebody who actually isn't a dweeb and actually is naturally funny and um knows racing but I guess we go on that note, you know, when it comes to NASCAR guys coming to Indianapolis 500, back in the day, the legends like the Allison brothers, Cale Yarbrough, uh, ran this race. Um, there's a few other ones are, that did, and um, off the top, I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but um, you had the crossover with Johnny Rutherford going and running NASCAR. I mean, Jimmy Clark, the legendary Formula One champ- world champion, ran NASCAR and as such been the old days. And of course the, the discussion I think on one of the NASCAR radio shows is there's only been two guys that have won the Daytona 500 and Indy 500 and their names are a or Mario Andretti and AJ Foyt. So the question is uh, that I propose to you along with, you know, the general NASCAR um, connections that have been with the Indianapolis 500 over the years is what what do you feel are the chances for Jimmy Johnson to join an illustrious list of two of guys that have won both of those races and two of the greatest race car drivers ever? And to be honest, Jimmy Johnson's one of the greatest race car drivers of our our era, of our lifetime. 
And um, if you were to pull this off, it would be one of the biggest victories in motorsports history, kind of like what last year's win for Alia was. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, I know last year there were some talks that Jimmy was interested in running the 500. And at that point, it seemed like, you know, maybe 2022 was going to be just another kind of half season. Um, And he even said he wasn't planning on driving full time and uh, things fell the way they were supposed to, I guess. And uh, and here we are. Uh, the media coverage has been insane. I personally, as a uh, as someone who follows NASCAR very closely, I don't ever recall uh, maybe the last time seeing this much media coverage for me, uh, for the Indy 500, uh, for a NASCAR driver or s- someone affiliated with NASCAR uh, coming over to just about any other form of motorsport, uh, was probably when Danica went and drove her last Indy 500. Uh, that was a few years ago. And, um, you know, I always encourage when I when I get to talk to NASCAR fans, whether that's at a racetrack, over Twitter, uh, whatever, I always encourage them. If there's another driver, even if it's a driver who you don't root for on the regular, you should always, if there's a driver trying a different form of racing, you should always try to follow that weekend. See how you like the other form of racing. See how they do. See what you learn, because a lot of times what you learn in other forms of motorsports can come and be helpful in a different form. Now, you know, this is really interesting to me, too, because uh, Jimmy, I mean, he's been running really well, it seems, uh, these past few weeks with practices, with qualifying, and uh, that that's really exciting as a NASCAR guy to see uh, one of your guys go into a, a different form of racing and be seriously, I mean, have a really good car and a good team and, and have probably a somewhat decent chance of winning uh, is really exciting now. Uh, can Jimmy Johnson win the Indy 500? That, that I think, is the question that all, all the NASCAR fans are going to be asking. That's what they're going to be watching for. Uh, realistically, I really don't know. I mean, he's only been driving Indy cars for a year and change. Uh, doesn't really have a full season under his belt, certainly not on the ovals. And he's going against drivers who have far more experience in this style of racing. I mean, th- this race is not going to be like what you used to see on the 2.5 mile rectangle uh, for NASCAR, right? NASCAR, they get really spread out. You know, you usually have a a really long green flag runs where one car, one driver really, I mean, kind of dominates the run. And then with some cautions or whatever, things might start to change. Uh, IndyCar racing at Indianapolis is really fairly different. You have small packs of cars basically that kind of break away from each other and their aero package allows them to pass to get runs far easier than any car Jimmy Johnson ever drove in at Indianapolis and NASCAR. So this is going to be a different type of race for him. Yes, I know he's got four wins in the Brickyard 400 at this track. That's great. I don't necessarily know how much that helps him. Um, I certainly don't think it hurts him and his experience at the track nonetheless is good. And uh, I mentioned this on the last show and just two minutes ago, it will be interesting to see if there's anything he learned in his stock car racing days at Indianapolis that he can come and apply to uh, his race in the 500. Um, This is 40 laps longer than uh, the Brickyard 400. So 
Uh, that'll be interesting as well to see uh, how that last 100 miles uh, affects him, if at all. Uh, I, I really don't know. I, I would think he has a legitimate chance to go ahead and, and win, but it would take uh, some really hard driving and probably some really bold moves on his part because the drivers around him, again, they they probably know much better, particularly at this racetrack, exactly how to calculate their move. That's something Jimmy Johnson has been learning throughout practice. And even more so than practice, he's going to be learning live on Sunday during the race. Um, so is there a chance? Yes, there is absolutely a chance. Does his name belong on that list uh, of Andretti and Foyt? In my eyes, yeah. I mean, he, this guy is easily the, the best racer of the 2000s and, and probably the, the best of the last 20 years. Uh, you know, anytime somebody asks me who I think the greatest driver in NASCAR history is, I make the arguments for Dale Earnhardt and for Jimmy Johnson. And I seriously believe that if he wins or even comes, you know, second, third with a strong showing to me, that says, yes, I am the greatest driver in NASCAR history, because not only can I dominate in your sport, I can go in other forms of racing and I can do it there too on their biggest stage. Uh, now, will it be a disappointment if he doesn't win? I think only if he really truly dominates the race. But, uh, you know, for him to win the Indy 500, uh, just because of the lack of experience in this particular style of racing, uh, I think it could take, you know, a few years probably. But he's in equipment that is clearly competitive. Uh, so there's a chance. I'm, I'm going to leave it a little bit like Daytona. You know, if you're there at the end, there's enough drafting, maneuverability, and passing to happen where, yeah, there is a chance if you're there at the end. I think it when it comes to who he races for in Chip Ganassi Racing, Eric Cowden being his engineer, having the likes of hiding my family at home on his um, timing stand, helping him as a coach, um, he has a lot of good people. Um, that can help him through this race. And the fact is, it's not like Jimmy Johnson hasn't been through plenty of 500-mile races. It's just that he hasn't been in a 500-mile race at Indianapolis in an IndyCar. And it is one of the biggest races in the world. But it's the it's the kind of thing that Jimmy Johnson showed up for in his heyday, in his prime. He showed up for the big ones, and he was able to generally close in the big ones. Now, asking to do that in this spot at this time in his life, with all this media attention on him. It's going to be hard, but if there is a team to be driving for probably this month that could possibly make it happen, he's probably in the best one. And he's got great teammates. He's got one of the greatest of all time and Scott Dixon. He's got a guy who's won this race and been up front in many Indy 500 races in in Tony Kanaan and as teammates. And you have the guy defending series champion who, and they've become very close uh, friends in Alex Pillow, who finished second in this race and is still learning uh, from what took place late in that race last year. And then Erickson, who has become this solid, quiet, understated shoe. Um, that's where it's somebody that could really surprise. Um, I mean, Jimmy Johnson, it's not out of the realm of possibility. There is definitely going to be a lot of attention on him, and it's going to keep a lot of attention off of other drivers that would generally be favorites. And I guess to you, Josh, who are we since, you know, Ganassi's getting a lot of the play. Honda with Jess Ganassi's team and, and the Dale Coyne team has definitely had a lot 
of good going on for them as Carson Hosevar is wearing a ridiculous hat. Um, but um, we go to other people that we should be looking at here in this race. I think we're forgetting there's plenty of Chevys out there, uh, Penske, McLaren, um, that are out there that could stand out. Um, there's other drivers in this race that, I mean, rookie drivers, um, just like Jimmy Johnson. I mean, uh, Spencer mentioned David Malukov, so of course he got wrecked, but um, there are a lot of good drivers in this race. This is a very, one of the fastest fields, if not the fastest field in Indy 500 history. This is a um, very competitive um, race, only two in three incidents in the, I guess, week and a half of practice that they had. So it's a relatively clean deal here. Um, who else are we forgetting about right now that really could make something happen here on Sunday? Well, I mean, first of all, I will say, going back to what Joe said earlier about the coverage and everything, I mean, kind of, you know, if you're trying to get into this as someone not IndyCar, you know, obviously Jimmy Johnson's the focus. I mean, for me, it was, you know, back in 2012 or 2013, AJ Allmendinger, uh, 2013, when he came over from uh, NASCAR after, you know, losing his Penske ride and, you know, a year later with Kurt Busch and then Juan Montoya, both uh, coming over from NASCAR the year before and racing in the 500. Um, that's kind of what sparked my interest in IndyCar racing and, you know, so forth. But um, to your question, uh, you know, I think for the Chevys in general, I mean, I think, um, you know, Penske, you know, Will Power uh, qualified really well. Um, so I expect him to be up there. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, I mean, he not quite as good. Obviously, he didn't make the, the top 12, but you know, he's always kind of there at the end of these races. Um, so I, you know, definitely think he's uh, probably a threat. Um, Sage Karam, of course, you know, qualif- or, you know, didn't qualify all that well, but uh, fifth fastest on carb day uh, in race trims. So, um, you know, he's he's finished pretty well in some of these races in uh, Indy 500 in the past. Um, so he might be a guy that can kind of quietly work his way up through the field uh, and kind of, you know, end up being in the, you know, top 10 at the end of the day um, or, you know, possibly a top five finish. Do I think somebody like him could actually, you know, go out and finish in the podium or uh, go in get uh the win uh, not sure if uh, you know he has quite the pace uh, to be able to do that but certainly you know enough to be able to crack the top 10 at the very least uh, for him uh there and you know last year uh uh Pato award you know finished in uh, fourth place and uh could be um you know he had a chance there at the end you know he was very close uh to uh Elio Castroneves and Alex Pelot uh but then, you know, last couple of laps got a little tight and then got passed by Simon Pagano there at the end of that uh, last year's Indy 500. So, you know, he's somebody that can work his way up there. You know, he qualified well, uh, you know, into the top 12, but and finished in eighth in uh, final practice here at Carb Day. So he's probably maybe one of the best, if not the best Chevy that could have a, a chance to win uh, in this race. So um, definitely think, you know, all these Chevys, uh, especially, you know, Team Penske and McLaren uh, or, you know, Aero McLaren SP, I think definitely have a, a shot to win. And then, you know, I think another uh, guy that's a rookie that, you know, we haven't mentioned is uh, Roman Grosjean. And, you know, he qualified uh, in the top 12, you know, made it uh, into uh, that fast 12. And I think, you know, he's got a, a chance as well, like Jimmy Johnson. If, you know, he's there at the end, he might be able to make something happen. We saw, you know, what he's been able to do. Um, on ovals, you know, last year he uh, ran well at Gateway um, in the 51 car, and then at Texas uh, he ran pretty well there. Uh, so 
I definitely think you know with uh, the way how aggressive he can be. Uh, you know, Roman Grosjean um, possibly might be able to make something happen here uh, in the 500. You know, we've seen what he can do in road courses and uh, you know the 21 car or, or the 51 car and the 28 car. So definitely think you know he's somebody that can uh, possibly be up there uh, at the end if he has a chance. Um, so you know it's going to be a really interesting race. Um, definitely think. Uh, you know, if uh, weather comes into play, you know, obviously if it's cooler uh, um, or, you know, if we have a lot of cloud cover, could bring in a little bit more track grip and, you know, we have more of a super speedway type race or something like that. Um, or, you know, something like uh, if it's, you know, sunny outside and track warms up, you know, we might have a race like last year. Where we didn't really have a whole lot of crashing or yellows or anything. It was pretty, pretty green throughout. And then it comes down to like, you know, the last a uh, couple of laps, um, possibly like where, you know, last year we had Helio pass in the last two laps of the race and uh, take the win uh, could come down to that. Um, I definitely do think that uh, you will have to be in the uh, top, you know, running in the top five with five laps to go at least to have a shot because uh, otherwise um, you're probably not going to be able to win the race. And, you know, it's all about pushing yourself uh, and putting yourself in the right position uh, and making the right moves at the end, you know, um, talking about the experience for people who haven't run 500 mile races or done it in an Indy car, you know, you have to be able to find the clean air, whether, you know, running, running the apron to get uh, clean air to the um, part of your front nose or front, you know, front wing, or, you know, running slightly outside to offset behind on, you know, on the um, high line uh, sort of and get, uh, clean air like that and of course you know, using the anti-roll bars and um, the weight jacker uh, make adjustments and of course you know have the crew make uh, um, aero adjustments to the wing front and back and get a little bit more rotation throughout the corners and uh, get um, you know balance between the speed and handling um, you know so it, it's going to be tough uh, you know to account for all of that uh, especially for somebody like uh jimmy johnson who's never done that before so if he's able to keep up with the track and keep up with the adjustments you know and as long as he race smart race clean you know people like him roman grishan could have a, a shot at you know being uh competitive and possibly you know stealing a top five if not a possible win if if uh, they're fortunate enough so you know looking forward to this race and you know definitely excited to watch on sunday and I guess we'll go with um, picks. I mean, uh, before I go and add my two cents here for you, Joe, first, um, who do you think will win? Who do you think? I mean, I think we know who you want to win. Um, and a dark horse, and you're, if you're willing, if you need to tap on any of them, that's fine, because we'll throw right to Josh on that. Yeah, so uh, I, I think it, you know it's pretty obvious. As somebody covering NASCAR, I'd love if Jimmy Johnson won. Um, I, I would really... I think it would be good for for both IndyCar and for NASCAR. Uh, I think it would draw a lot of attention from a lot of outlets that maybe don't necessarily normally cover uh, NASCAR or IndyCar. Um, I think it would be great for the sport, for motorsports in general in America. Uh, Jimmy Johnson winning would be great. So there's more incentive to to him winning than just the fact that he's a NASCAR champion who's coming over to IndyCar. Or, you know, there's more incentive to it. Uh, As far as who I think could actually win, uh, I do want to stay within the realm of Chip Ganassi racing because it seems like they've really run uh, super good, super consistent. But I'm actually going to... Uh, listen to something Spencer said earlier in the show. I'm going to go with Alex Pillow. Um, You know, he's run uh, really well from what I know, at least over uh, the last year. Uh, I won the championship last year and uh, 
uh, should be really, really strong. Uh, I don't know enough to really pick a dark horse, uh, so I'll uh, I'll go with uh, who who was it that we talked about earlier? Was it Erickson? We'll go with Erickson. So fully Ganassi committed there, um, going all in on the Ganassi team. Not a bad uh, call there by you, Joe. Um, Josh, how about you? Well, I mean, you took it right out of my mouth right there with uh, Alex Pelot because I I think you know after what he did last year, he really really wants to win. But you know, I'll go I'll go with his teammate starting up front uh you know actually no i'm gonna call an audible here and i'm a i'm no no i will stick with socket dixon i think you know, he's um wants to have that second any 500 when you decide all these polls you know he uh flipped over you know he's on the pole and he ended up you know going in the fence in 2017 you know probably should have won 2020 uh in, in you know during the, the one that was delayed by covid got bested by takuma sato in that one so you know with all these polls that he's got um he definitely wants at least a, a second board warner trophy so you know stick with uh the ice man scott dixon what about a dark horse selection there for you uh, or do you have dark anybody horse? like you want to see like that's your pick to win is there anyone you really want to see win and um in a dark horse pick well, I mean, really want to see Jimmy win, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I mean, I think it's probably reasonable to expect him to, you know, come home uh, better than 10th, 10th or better. That's probably reasonable for him. Um, I mean, I think maybe someone else uh, that's, you know, possibly a, a dark horse uh, in this one is, um, I mean, it's really hard to say, but, you know, I'm going to go with, I mean, um, I don't know. Uh, I will go with... Uh, I mean, it's really tough to say, but go with Takuma Sato. I mean, that's not necessarily he's a dark horse. I mean, obviously, he's already won this race twice. Won the race twice. Yeah. It's just because he yeah. runs for Dale Coyne. Yeah, he runs that's, for Dale come Coyne. On, that's, they, they've had fast race cars. He was running fastest when toe yeah. practice, too. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> go and say David Maluk is, and that's a dark horse after he got hooked by Root Beer Floathead. At least that's what? like you're really going out on a limb. I got to interject here a little bit. The thing about Sato, and I think anybody who has watched IndyCar over the past decade or so, you know, can attest to this with the no attack, no chance mantra with Sato, you know, you're getting kind of the ultimate wild card in that, you know, yeah, it really wouldn't surprise us if he, you know, goes out and wins and, or at least, you know, leads a lot of laps and is in contention and ends up finishing up front. But, you know, it also wouldn't surprise us if he, you know, pulls another bonehead move and wrecks out of the race early on. Or, you know, we saw him, inter- you know, interfere with Marco Andretti's qualifying lap. And that, you know, was something that, unfortunately, we've kind of seen both sides of the no attack, no a chance coin with Sato even within the past week or so. We've seen him, you know, hit the fence during his qualifying runs and still go 230 plus. So... My two cents on that. Okay, I, I'll give you that. You got you got the backup there from Spencer there. I mean, the reality is he's liable. He's just as liable uh, to go and lead, you know, 50 laps or 30 laps of this race and be in position to win this deal as he is to go and crash, um, which is what made him one of the fan favorites in Formula One. Um, he came here and sucked for a while in IndyCar and then found his footing uh with with the Ray Hall and then Andretti and then back with Ray Hall and now with uh, the coin uh, Rick Ware car, which that 
would be hell freezing over if Rick Ware wins an Indy 500, honestly. But the way things are going in this world, it kind of makes sense. Um, for me, this race, I'm just excited about it. The Indy 500, just hope the weather, there's no weather issues. It's the one that I look forward to the most of the three, honestly, um, because of we talked about the pomp and circumstance and all the, the traditions. Um, that's the one that they haven't really there's the the way that the race has been the way they bring it up and how they bring up all the that hasn't changed for a hundred years you know like that's and it's a beautiful thing and they'll talk about Jimmy there's gonna be a lot of talk about Jimmy there's gonna be a lot of talk about Dixon um, but I wonder about Joseph Newgarden I keep on bringing it up I'm pretty sure ever since we started the show um, I've said this after he won that second championship and all these races he's won literally the only thing he has missing is this race. Um, he wins this race. I don't think he'll have to worry about it. I don't think he has to worry about employment for the rest of his life anyway. I think Roger Penske signed him after he had that huge wreck at Texas and then won at Iowa Speedway a couple weeks later with a busted hand and wrist and all that. Um, he's done everything he's asked him to. He's basically the face of Penske's IndyCar program. Um, they have older drivers there in Winge Power and um, Scott McLaughlin's their young guy, but we don't know where that's at. They're probably going to go back to four cars eventually. Um, and Newgarden finally get that last leg to go and fill out his career and join all these legendary drivers that have won for Penske. I mean, I you brought up A.J. Allmendinger, Josh, when he ran in 13 in the two car, ran qualified well. And if it weren't for a seatbelt coming loose, he might have been an Indianapolis 500 champion. And who knows? where A.J. Allmendinger's career might have went um, if it were for that. I mean, hell, um, where would Joey Logano's career be if it weren't for the suspension that happened to A.J. Allmendinger that knocked him out of that Penske ride in NASCAR? So, I mean, there's a few people that we can connect back to that. Um, there's so much intrigue. There's so many great drivers. I mean, Dixon, the fact, for as great as he is, he's one of the greatest IndyCar drivers, one of the greatest race car drivers I've ever seen. Um, and he's been class. He's been the same guy that he was at 19 years old when he won his first race at Nazareth in a, in a pack West car as he is now all these years later with three kids and married and a whole bit and five Indy 500 pulls. But if he can go and get another win in this race, um, it would be huge. Um, winning one is great as it is. I mean, it doesn't matter. He's only won one. The fact that it doesn't take anything away from how great he is. Michael Andretti would love to say he has one, um, amongst many others. And Nigel Mansell in 93 should have probably won that race. You know, Scott Goodyear uh, would love to say that he had won the Indy 500. Um, so, but Dixon really wants this one, I'm pretty sure, um, and wants to pull this one off. And I think it would be hard to pick against him. We've discussed that. Um, I've picked him the last few years. I'm not going to do that this year. I figure I'm, that might help his cause. Um, to me, looking at this race, looking at what we've got coming along for who could stand out. I mean, you you wonder about some of these teams the, that have struggled so far during the month um, and what what has happened and what can they do here in this spot um, and in the race, in, in race trim. I think that would be the the a question. I think New Garden definitely has a chance to win this race from where he is. Um, I mean, you brought up Will Power. I mean, I I'm I'm picking. I I'm gonna go and pick 
of Joseph Newgarden to win this race on on Sunday um, because Penske, it's Penske's racetrack. He he literally owns it now. He used to own it because he's won more Indy 500 than anybody else and poles and everything. He owns it now. Um, Joseph Newgarden comes through and wins the Indianapolis 500. It wouldn't surprise me if Alex Pelot won this race. It wouldn't surprise me if some of these guys, like I think Renus VK is one that after the experience of last year could come through. Of course, he's working out the possibility of maybe moving on. Um, so there's that aspect going on with him. Um, if he can win the Indianapolis 500 and join Ari Leyendijk as a winner from the Netherlands, it would be huge. Um, for the Netherlands, for him, for his family, um, for Renus VK. Um, do, who do I want to see win? I want to see Pato Award win, of course, because he's my, my driver. Um, I wouldn't mind Juan Pablo Monterrier pulling it back, bringing him back old school and um, making it three Indy 500 wins. Uh, he's a gray beard now, but the fact that they have such a great connection, him and Pato, it, it reminds me, Pato Award in a lot of ways reminds me of Juan Pablo Montoya in his prime. So I would like to see um, one of those guys win it, of course. Um, in regards to a dark horse candidate, I think I'm going to, because I went with Chevy's, I've been going Chevy, uh, big uh, Chevy here as a guy who's not really a Chevy guy, but um, somebody who would be a dark horse candidate that I would look at in regards to this race, hmm. I mean, some a lot of them have been hit so far. You know what? And since Josh went with a former Indy 500 winner, I'm going to go with a former Indy 500 winner. I'm going to go with Simon Pagino. Um, you're talking about the Meyer Shank Racing Team. They're the defending race winners here. Um, Pagino has the experience, of course, from a couple of years ago, winning the pole and winning the race. So why can't he go out there? and um, win his second Indianapolis 500. He's kind of had a rough year um, at times this year. It hasn't been the greatest start to his uh, career at Meyer Shank in an Indy car. Um, of course, they won the Rolex 24, so that was good. Um, so how about Simon Pagano going and pulling it through? He's going to have to be mid-pack, come mid-pack, but um, he has a good chance. They have good cars. Of course, Elio Castroneves is going to be starting in row nine in his play to become a five-time winner at Indianapolis to join uh, Jeff Gordon, who won five Brickyard 400s, and Michael Schumacher, who won five U.S. Grand Prix at Indianapolis um, to join the five-time club. And uh, to break that um, illustrious mark, he would have to come from row nine. That would be pretty big if you were to do that. So we will, of course, discuss the Indianapolis 500 as well in the on the gsp here next week so joe it's your turn uh coca-cola 600 time as we're doing the invocation and the national anthem and all for truck series race xfinity we can get into briefly as well but um the coca-cola 600 longest race of the season for the nascar cup series um i'll be running that in the evening 618 race start um, practice and qualifying will take place on Saturday evening, um, Saturday night after the Xfinity race. So that'll be a good ticket for people who go to Charlotte tomorrow. You'll get the um, Xfinity uh, 
qualify or you've already had Xfinity qualifying and all that in practice. I always think about it like it used to be, but um, so Xfinity qualifying already in practice took place. So you'll get the um, you'll get the race tomorrow afternoon. You'll have a little bit of a gap, and then you'll have the race uh, or you'll have qual practice and qualifying for the Coca Cola Six Hundred. Yeah, she got those things. So um, we will get into that and um oh look bush is in the booth oh oh yeah he does that for trucks because they have to have somebody that actually has a clue because he's around two dopes um that's why they had Corey lajoy in there earlier because he's the only one that has a clue but um yeah jo- uh, joe let's uh get into the 600 let's talk about what we should expect is it going to be the hendrick and gibbs continuation that we have seen the trending here in recent weeks uh can gibbs destroy like they did at the last one and a half mile racetrack or can ford actually show up for the first time in weeks um yeah ryan blaney of course won then lost then won the all-star race on sunday so um he had a pretty dominant car in clean air yeah so uh you know this is interesting because we usually don't have practice the day before the 600 mile race practice usually starts Friday. And if you remember way back when, before COVID, uh, this was one of the races that uh, most years got that third practice. A lot of times there were only two practices. Key races like the 600 being so long usually got three practices. Um, And even, even last year under the no practice protocol for the most part, the 600, I believe, was one of eight races where we got practice, and that happened the same night as the trucks. So we knew on Friday what more so to expect for Sunday. Um, so this this is going to be a real challenge then for the teams, right? They're going to have a, a handful of hours to, to do their work between end of qualifying and the start of the race. If anybody wrecks, they're making their lives a lot harder for the 600 uh, for not only their team for having to prep the car, but also for the driver themselves uh, during the race, probably having to start at the back. Um, you ask about this Gibbs versus Hendrick show. Yeah, it's going to continue. Um, I fully expect it to continue. I'd be shocked if it didn't continue. Looking at, and I, uh, I, I went to North Carolina to the Fox Sports studio to rip a few pages out of Larry McReynolds' uh, grand old notebook here. But, you know, I, I went ahead last night and I looked in preparation for the show uh, at the last 15 Coke 600s. And if you look at them, four of those 15 have been won by Hendrick, three of them by Gibbs. The only other team to come to three, at least three, wins has been Richard Childress racing, two by Kevin Harvick, one by Austin Dillon back in 2017. Um, even Penske in all of that time has only won it twice. And uh, arguably, one of them was a little bit of a steal uh, in 2020 when Chase Elliott had easily the best car at the end of the race. And uh, pit strategy ended up not playing out to uh, their liking after that late caution. And Brad went on to to steal that one away. Um, It's really interesting, though, because, I mean, the, the divide, the gap is so big. Ford, in those 15 years... Is one win, and that was that 2020 race in the 600. Chevy holds seven of those wins. Toyota holds five. Uh, so I, I mean, just everything, everything about that screams it's gonna be Joe Gibbs Racing versus Hendrick Motorsports. Now, how do you make your pick, right? Uh, I think in more recent years, right, like last year, 
Hendrick Motorsports dominated the race. They uh, were coming fresh off a 1-2-3-4 finish a few weeks prior at Dover, and uh, they were running 1-2-3-4 again really late in that race. Kyle Busch broke them up, ended up finishing third uh, to split up those Hendrick cars. But really, I mean, last year, you know, you want to talk about that. Larson led 300, uh, I believe it was 327 laps of the 400, swept the stages, won the race, I mean, it was the Larson show where Elliot kind of showed up for a little while and Kyle Busch was there too. Um, you know, that that was, I mean, last year, obviously, but it just goes to show, really, it, it's Gibbs and Hendrick. And you want to throw back a few years even more. You had a string of years, right? 2019, Truex hits the wall, still wins the race. Uh, Kyle Busch in 2018 led 377 of the 400 laps. Uh, very similarly to Larson last year, won all the stages and the race. And then, of course, you had Martin Truex Jr. in 2016 in the Furniture Row Racing Toyota affiliated with Joe Gibbs Racing, led 392 of the 400 laps. One, you know, just I mean, that's just how it's been. It's been Toyota versus Chevy. It's been Hendrick versus uh, Gibbs. And I, I see no reason based off of uh, the way that this season has gone, why it would be any different. I will say this year, I do believe that the Gibbs cars have a little bit of the upper hand on these one and a half mile racetracks. The last time we were out at a mile and a half, I'm throwing Texas out the window. It was the all-star race. People were on special strategies because it was a short race. So forget about that. Kansas, uh, Kurt Busch won in the 2311 Toyota. So it was a Toyota whim team also affiliated with Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, but Kyle Busch was very strong there at the end of the race, arguably uh, just as good as his brother, just didn't have the track position. Uh, you had Hamlin run good throughout that race, Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell has run quietly well over the, the last month now. He uh, really has surprised me, and it surprised me that nobody's really talking about it. He uh, has, has run extremely well a number of uh top tens, both in stages and uh, in, in the, the overall results as well. Um, I, I, I gotta think that it's Toyota. It is a little bit better suited for this particular track. I know Alex Bowman won the first mile and a half race of the year at uh, Las Vegas. Let's be honest, if that late caution hadn't come out and they hadn't made a strategy call, that win was not happening. You needed pieces very late in the race to fall right in the exact place, and they just happened to. Um, you, you talk about, uh, you know, uh, the, the the Atlanta race, right? Another mile and a half. I didn't, I'm not even counting that. That, to me, was not a mile and a half race. That was the equivalent of a Daytona and Talladega. So, sure, Hendrick won that. Uh, when you want to talk about a, a mile and a half race with the package we're running, uh, Atlanta means nothing to me, that last race. So in looking at the last 11 uh, mile and a half tracks, so that takes you all the way through uh, the start of 2021 with their first mile and a half race last year. Uh, there's again, it's a very Gibbs and Hendrick split. I will say Hendrick uh, has a, a little bit more... Um, wins than Gibbs six to two in that respect. Uh, and overall the manufacturer manufacturers seven to three in favor of Chevrolet over Toyota. Um, so really no matter what way you slice it, this is going to be Gibbs versus Hendrick. I think the statistics lean towards Chevrolet and Hendrick. I don't necessarily believe based off of some more recent performances 
that that may be the case come uh, Sunday night. Uh, now, the other, the one thing I will say to Hendrick, uh, even though I just said I, I really don't know that they're going to have the cars against Gibbs, is Larson. Larson has been a weapon on these mile and a half tracks. You go back to last year, right? He, since last year, since the start of last season, four wins on mile and a half tracks, right? And even if you look at those races that he lost, I mean, Miami in 2021 won his teammate William Byron won. He finished top four. Obviously went on to win at Las Vegas, was a big win. The next one at Atlanta last spring, he lost it with 10 laps, finished second. I mean, he had the car to beat all day. Uh, Kansas last year when Kyle Busch won his second win on his birthday, Larson dominated that race before having some trouble late in the race. Uh, obviously dominated Charlotte, uh, Las Vegas, the playoff race last season. Larson really dominated uh, the first portion of the race and just got caught up in bad strategy and never really recovered. Uh, won two in a row, Texas and Kansas in the playoffs last season. And even Las Vegas and Kansas this year. I mean, he had cars that could have won. He finished second at Las Vegas and uh, was running at the front in Kansas for quite a bit. So uh, he's really, I think, as a favorite, the driver is the favorite. Kyle Larson. I think as an organization and a manufacturer, Gibbs and Toyota, based off of recent weeks, uh, to me, that argument holds a little bit more water than uh, simply reading the stats and saying, well, Hendrick and Chevrolet are up on everything, so I'm going to pick them. Uh, quick note about the track itself, not necessarily about any drivers. Uh, this track, even though mile and a half, uh, is actually pretty unique at this point, given how they've changed Atlanta and Texas and some of those other cookie-cutter racetracks. In addition, this track has a massive bump through turns three and four, and actually, Sam Mayer, who won the Xfinity pole earlier today, just about hit the wall, uh, so I, I don't really know how he saved that. I don't know how he won the pole. Either he was just that fast or everybody else was just that slow, uh, but that is going to be a concern. Um, in addition, worth noting, uh, the PJ1, or rather the uh, the tire resin, not the PJ1, tire resin has been applied to the track. They ran the tire dragon uh, and the resin over the outer lanes of turns three and four, as well as one and two. Earlier in the week, now NASCAR has stated they do not have the intention after the trucks or the Xfinity race to reapply. Uh, so really, it's going to be a little bit wearing throughout the weekend. However, if I remember correctly, last year they did the same thing. They ran everything down earlier in the week. Uh, they let it sit for a few days. Cars got on track, and they never reapplied. And at this track in particular, it never really seemed to wear away. Uh, I remember, because I was at the race last year. I was there for the triple header weekend. And I remember the entire 600, Kyle Larson, you might run the, the inside line, about the first 10 laps of a run. After that, everybody had to be at least one lane up where the resin started or you were not making speed. Uh, so the resin is definitely going to be a key factor. I don't expect drivers to stay on the bottom for too, too long. Um, in fact, some drivers may completely opt to just not run the bottom at all. Um, the grip is definitely going to be up high. It'll be interesting to see how much it wears. Uh, generally speaking, the resin seems to wear more during the day when the hot, uh, when it's hot out and slick. Um, but you know, two of these three races, 
the majority of them happen under the the moon. So uh, I, I don't really know that one race under the hot sun tomorrow for Xfinity is going to do enough damage to where the resin uh, is really hurting for Cup. So definitely don't expect too many drivers to be on the inside. Not tonight's race, not tomorrow's race for Xfinity, and not Sunday's race for Cup. All right, good uh, in-depth analysis there of what we should see. I mean, obviously, we have a race that's about to start as we're doing this show right now. We've had an arc of farce that took place before that as well, um, won by Bruckshot Jones. So um, I'll throw to you, Josh. Um, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, the Gibbs-Hendrick trend that we have seen over recent years is starting to take lay, uh, uh, continue or start to happen now with this new car. Um, who are you looking for this weekend in regards to choices in the 600? And I guess um, if we have to look at a Ford, I mean, is there somebody out of the outside of the Penske stable that could possibly go out there and do something? I mean, I know there's one particular guy that would like to. He hasn't won in a while. Yeah, of course. He you know hasn't won in a while. And I think you're talking about Ryan Blaney has not won in a while, um, hasn't won this year and had a chance, you know, last week at, at, uh, Kansas is running top five for a bit, then faded uh, uh, to twelfth uh, towards the end of that race. But um, it depends on you know where he qualifies. Um, if he's got speed, obviously um, Ryan Blaney's uh, been one of the better drivers in the series uh, so far, um, and finally won at the All Star race for his first win in twenty twenty two. But it's uh, when he finally wins is the one that doesn't actually count for anything. Uh, so could could be a Something to watch for for Ryan Blaney. Obviously, he's second in the standings uh, and has the most pulls. So if he qualifies up front, um, they're able to keep up with the track throughout the race uh, going into the night. Could be it there at the end and possibly uh, steal one from Hendrick and Gibbs there. Um, I think, you know, an- another guy that you know haven't mentioned, I mean, obviously, we, we know Hendrick's going to be fast, particularly Kyle Larson uh, and Chase Elliott, I think, maybe, or, or William Byron, one of those two uh, or three. Um, but I, th- I think another guy you have to look out for is uh, Trackhouse, specifically Ross Chastain. Uh, remember back in uh, the first mile and a half track, Las Vegas, uh, they led a lot of laps there, um, and they were p- possibly a, a threat for the win, um, but ultimately ended up finishing in uh, third place, you know, leading 83 laps. Um, Atlanta obviously is a turned into a super speedway, but I mean, obviously he led 42 laps at that race um, and ran solidly in the top 10 at Kansas, another, you know, mile and a half track. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what Ross Chastain can do. Uh, he's been running pretty solidly, obviously uh, won two races um, this year. Can he add a third um, at a mile and a half track where, you know, the majority of the races are going to be in the playoffs on mile and a half tracks. Uh, so if he can run well up front, or close to it up here at uh, Charlotte can uh, could be a good indicator of where that team's going to be uh, at the um, you know at the time of the playoffs when when that time comes. Uh, I, th- I think um, you know another driver that you have to look at is Bubba Wallace. Of course, you know he ran has been you know uneven for most of the year, but you know I, I think with uh, the way twenty three eleven and Toyota is going, I mean it has to at some point uh, trickle down to uh, somebody like Bubba Wallace and. Um, you know, ran pretty well at Kansas, probably one of the better races he's run in his career uh, in, in the Cup Series and uh, finished in 10th and probably could have finished a lot higher than that. So, you know, possibly um, could 
you know, be a threat for the top 10 last year, ran somewhat solidly. I think he finished in 11th in, uh, the 600 last year. So, uh, you know, if he can keep himself out of trouble, uh, you know, I think he's a, a guy that, uh, that could, you know, possibly be a surprise, not a surprise, but someone that, um, it could end up being in the top 10 that, you know, we haven't really seen be in the top 10. Maybe things are beginning to turn around for not only the 45 car, but, um, the 23 at, uh, 2311. So, uh, we'll see if that, uh, Toyota finishes up front. Um, you know, I think, um, another Ford that, you know, hasn't really had a whole lot of success this year, but, you know, he's, um, been solid on the mile and a half and former 600 winner as well as, uh, Kevin Harvick, you know, he's, 11th in the points right now, but, um, hasn't, you know, run, you know, all that well throughout. He's been uneven throughout this year. Um, hasn't really won too well in the mile and a half, um, for the most part. I mean, all the mile and a half finished outside the top 10, uh, and Ford has been, you know, lacking in speed, but, you know, traditionally, uh, the four cars, the best of the Fords, uh, traditionally speaking. So, you know, I think, um, you know, he's won this race before and it's a very long race and, you know, he's had experience in these races. So, uh, could, could we see a guy like Kevin Harvick finishing the top 10, uh, possibly, and maybe this is being a turnaround for, uh, Ford and, you know, he has not run up front at all, uh, all year, only led, uh, 13 laps, uh, so far this year. And Stuart Haas has not had any, uh, pace at all, really outside of one win from Chase Briscoe. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens, but I, think uh, that's another Ford that you could potentially look at uh, here in this race. So um, I think, you know, most part, you know, Joe's already been through it. Um, probably expect this to be another Hendrick versus Gibbs fight, um, which, you know, for as parody wise, the season has been, um, you know, we haven't really, we've only had two drivers that have won uh, with multiple wins. And it doesn't feel like a Hendrick versus Gibbs type of season, like maybe we would have thought, uh, where you know you have multiple wins between all the drivers, but uh, almost all of their drivers has have won one race, and you know it's uh, been pretty solid in in terms of that. So uh, Hendrick, you know, continuing to be up front with Byron and Larson, and you know Chase Elliott beginning to come into the fray, and then you have Kyle Busch. Um, Danny Hamlin starting to get uh, back into form, and then Kurt Busch, uh, you know, in twenty the rest of twenty three eleven. So and Chris Bell also. So um, all those drivers could be a potential threat to win. Marjorie X included as well. So we could see something from any of those cars, um, but you know, expect a a lot of um, I don't know. I I feel like this race probably be similar to Las Vegas or uh, Kansas, and you know, expect a type of racing maybe that we saw at Kansas, uh, at that. So we'll see what happens, but safe bet is to probably pick from any of those two organizations, uh, the winning car. Yeah, I would say so. I'll get into that in a moment. I don't know, Spencer, are you, um, I know you're more in tuned on the IndyCar side, but do you give, uh, at least in this case, we go and swing it the other way. I'll swing it to you for the 600. Do you spend any time after you are at the racetrack or do you catch a little bit of the 600 in your post Indy 500 recovery, whether you're at the racetrack or um, at home yeah. uh, and any thoughts on what we're going to see this weekend? Uh, um, I haven't followed NASCAR as much lately, so I'm not able to kind of provide any more than uh, what Joe and Josh have already touched on. Um, it's all good. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, you know, I'm sure at least some of your viewers and 
maybe Joe is familiar with the random fantasy game that uh, Steve Lavender yeah. does. So I drew Michael McDowell this week. So hope <laughs> to see. Him. Well, maybe it becomes fuel mileage, and he can go and drive over, drive through somebody like he did when he won his one cup race. I'm hoping for just the top twenty, honestly. So. That would be progress for the Front Row Motorsports team. Uh, the uh, truck series effort is pretty good this year, but the uh, cup effort has struggled for sure. Oh, I know. Um, no, so, but, you know, as far as this day, especially, you know, honestly, I understand, I'd end up falling asleep uh, during the 600. You know, I'll go out to dinner um, during the race and catch maybe a little bit of it. Um, but I'll just in between, you know, those three... The three races we've got this weekend, hopefully it'll uh, be a fun, competitive, exciting day. Yeah, uh, hopeful. It won't be as competitive, I would think, uh, Monaco, because it's not really a race. It's more about um, the glitz and the glamour and just being there, and then a bunch. It'll be very processional. I think the Indy 500 will be the show. Hopefully the track comes in this weekend um, at Charlotte to make it a good uh, race. I mean, right now, the... Truck Series is putting on a good show, so... Well, to uh, borrow a quote from the uh, late, great Murray Walker about Monaco, anything can happen in F1, and it usually does, so... Yeah. It's probably outside, way outside the realm of any reasonable expectation, but, you know, let's hope for another 96 and go nuts. That would be something. Uh, Olivier Panis from 14th won that race, the last, his only win in Formula One, the only, the last win for Ligier as a team, uh, four cars finished that race. Um, one of the only races that didn't see either Damon Hill or Jacques Villeneuve, the 95 winner of the Indianapolis 500, and or Michael Schumacher. I'm trying to think of who else won in 1996 off the top of my head, but that really seems like all of them. Um, yeah, that would be something because I would actually bring Mercedes into it because of how bad their car is driving. Um, yeah, for me, yeah, I think uh, I'm, I would say Chris Bell. Let's go. Let's get a little bit out on the realm. He's only won one cup race in his career, um, but him and Adam Stevens, I think, are starting to figure things out together. And Chris Bell is one of the most talented drivers in this sport. People know that. Toyota has invested a ton of money in him. Um, this has been a place where has been a, a launch pad for legendary drivers and to win their first race. Um, of course, Jeffy in 94, Bobby Labonte in 95. Um, other guys have won uh, there over time. Um other people have won their first race in the 600. Um, most, I, I mean, Rudy is the one that I always get a kick out of him and Casey Mears. But the the fact is, I think Chris Bell, if he can win, it's been over a year since he's won um, a race, and it's been kind of a struggle at times. But the Gibbs cars are good. Um, it wouldn't be shocking. Both uh, Joe uh, and Josh have went into it. I think it's a good time for him to make that make that stand now. Um, if he can go and go out there and win this race and solidify himself in the playoff, it would be a big spot for him. Um, I mean, I think Truex, you can never count him out in a big, long race like this. Um, it hasn't been his best year, but the fact is this is a spot for him to do something. Um, Clyde, um, this is one of those big ones. He's had a hard time closing in these big spots. 
Um, can he go and finally get over that hump in a sense and, and win one of the majors? Um, I mean, his dad is, there's the reason why his dad is million dollar bill. He won three out of four, but the one that he didn't win, Joe brought it up earlier this week, was this race. Um, Davey Allison legendarily won the first two legs um, of the um, Winston Million, winning the Daytona 500 and the Coke 600 in 19 or 92, um, wasn't able to win the or no he no he won the Winston 500 and he won the Daytona 500. He didn't win the Coke 600 because he would have won the Winston Million. Dale Earnhardt won the Coke 600 that year. There you go. I corrected myself. And then of course, um, Larry McReynolds trusted a random guy to read a weather map and um, gave away the co- the Southern 500. Um, but yeah, it would be something for Clyde to do. I think that's somebody else we have to look at. I mean, the usual suspects are going to be there. The the Lars, the Kyles, Larson, and Bush. You're going to have um, Kurt Bush, I think, is going to be up there. He's going to be amped up to try to go and get one. He's won this race before. Those two, of course, have won the races we mentioned before. Um, it's the 600, it, it used to be a race where somebody could pull off a first win. I think in Bell's case, it feels like a first win since it's been a long time for him. But I think if there is somebody that can win their first race um, is is uh, Tyler Reddick. RCR has the hit t- prior history, of course, as Joe has mentioned. And Reddick has just been knocking on the door. At some point, this has to happen. You know, uh, Maybe it happens at Gateway next week. I don't know. But it's like at some point it has to happen for him. Him and Suarez are on the cusp with their Chevy programs to go out there and possibly win. Um, so that would be the people I would look at as somebody who could possibly get a first win this weekend. But I'm honestly thinking Christopher Bell. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a Toyota benefit. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a Hendrick benefit. It wouldn't surprise me if basically all the Toyotas and Chevys filled the top 10 and the first Ford is Ryan Blaney outside of that. Um, I'm just hoping for Stuart Haas as a, a Briscoe guy that they show a little bit of pace. Um, Harvick, of course, a multiple time winner of this race. Um, showing pace as well. Uh, I mean, they sh- they're good at times in qualifying, but they're not able to bring it to the, the race itself. Uh, I'd rather they not qualify as well. It might suck for pit choice, but you actually go and race better. Um, we're getting into a long stretch of races here of different types of racetracks where if they can actually get some momentum, it would actually be really, really good for them. Um, but we have to see what happens with that. Um, this weekend, I mean, there was news, there's news, uh, that's on Jay Ski talking about ESPN looking at, uh, rejoining the NASCAR coverage, which would be something, um, I don't know who the hell they'd have at that point to put on, um, cause Doc Punch retired and, uh, get Alan Bestwick. Um, yeah, well, Alan Bestwick should be on NBC right now, honestly, but I do agree with that, but he'll be doing the SRX. He's the IMS, uh, announcer, um, uh, so that's great. Uh, so they, at least IMS knows and, uh, Roger Penske knows how to hire good people. Um, but, um, there is that, um, there's also the news that Kimi Raikkonen is going to be, um, making his cup series debut at, uh, Watkins Glen, which might, I just want to have, uh, a, a press conference with Kimi Raikkonen um, with the NASCAR media. Um, that would be the greatest. If he says more than 25 words um, after his initial whatever statement, I'll be impressed. 
Um, Pockris, there's going to have to be over-unders, like who's going to, between Pockris, Gluck, there's going to be people that actually show up to Watkins Glen this year, I think, just to go so they could do the presser for, for Kimi Raikkonen to see if the guy actually has a pulse. Um, that, that would be, like, I am looking forward to that. It'll be cool to see him. I, I think what would be even better is if there's an interaction between him and Dali, um, that if 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 a guy Ocho can show up, Mr. 305 shows up to the racetrack and he sees Kimi Raikkonen and they can start talking about liquor and stuff and then maybe we can get a little bit of personality out of Kimi. That would be good. Um, He's going to need a lot of the drink if that happens. Well, it is the former home of the U.S. Grand Prix and there was plenty of partying and debauchery that took place back in the heyday at Watkins Glen. Um, lots of fires and probably a lot of um, mess that was left in the infield and the outfield of Watkins Land International um, and stuff. So I think that will be cool to see. Um, I'm looking forward to that greatly. Um, maybe some of the interactions between him and Ross Chastain, because he's he has he's a watermelon farmer, and Kimi Raikkonen will be like, I used watermelons like that before i've drank plenty of vodka out of them or something like yeah. that i don't know how he talks but um i have to go like and... shut up i know what i'm doing to the spotter <laughs> no he definitely won't be saying that because when he's having a drive around cold custard or some guy he's like that he's like what the what the hell is this guy doing i'm like uh he's trying to drive right through me i'm like uh I know what I'm doing. I'm going to wreck him. And it's like, no, 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 Kimi, we need this car. <laughs> Dale can't, Dale's going to have to do another show if you go and wreck this car. Um, you guys are assuming that he's just, he's not going to just skip his press conferences to take a shit or whatever. That is true. <laughs> that is true. He has been known to do that sort of stuff. And in NASCAR, it's not like it's mandatory. Um, so he might, he might learn, he might lose his ability to speak English like some of those guys did in, in front of Congress when they were getting tested for them, talking about steroids. So um, it's possible. He, they'll say, oh, he has to miss his press conference. He got hung over yesterday in the city, um, so he needs to recover. So that's 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 entirely possible. So I just want, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just want to interject here for just a quick second, not particularly about Kimi, but I got to say, I mean, if, if for NASCAR fans – who have been longtime NASCAR fans. Obviously, we had the height of the 2000s, right? And then the car of tomorrow came in, some TV numbers went down, some uh, attendance went down, and it's something that gradually NASCAR has been uh, recovering from for, for a while, right? I mean, uh, NASCAR was for a while basically up with the, ma- the, the big four American sports, uh, as part of a big five and it's lost a little bit of flair since then but I gotta say this is a really exciting time to be a NASCAR fan to be able to talk about your seven-time champion going into the Indy 500 with a legitimate chance to win but not only that and drivers going out, out like Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson uh, on the dirt and on uh, in uh, IMSA right and actually, funny enough, I, I was in uh, New Egypt this past Tuesday night after filming the show on Monday, and uh, Stuart Friesen was racing his modified uh, about 30 minutes away from where I am now. So that was really cool. But it, it's exciting not only to see that, to see our drivers go out, 
and try something new, but also to see the attention that is coming towards our sport uh, in the likes of Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin starting 2311 last year, in the likes of uh, Pitbull becoming a, a major investor in this sport, in the likes of that, now this, now the opportunity for more international drivers from other disciplines of racing to come to NASCAR and to try their hand, hopefully giving more exposure to their discipline. Um, this is really exciting to me. I, uh, you know, as somebody who I, I earlier in the show, I was preaching it. And I'll continue to preach it. Uh, I always, you know, I try to learn other disciplines of racing. And, and while I'm on some time constraints at the moment that make it really hard, uh, I always tell other NASCAR fans, especially when, you know, a driver that they know very well is going out to another discipline, you know, try to learn, enjoy it, have fun with it, try to learn and and enjoy it. Because ultimately racing, no matter what discipline of motorsport it is, you get somebody in a one then maybe another, it all feeds off of each other. So it, it's a really exciting time to to see so much attention like that coming towards NASCAR and it'll be really interesting. I'm hoping that they have a really good lineup of drivers uh, who elect to come to drive that 91 car uh, for a number of races. And uh, I'm hoping too, I don't know what uh, Jacques Villeneuve's schedule looks like for the remainder of the year, but was in the Daytona 500 earlier this year. That was a huge deal. So uh, we'll see, but I'm, I'm very excited if this is the direction that the sport continues to move. I think we'll start to see a lot of international attention come this way. Well, having a, a Formula One world champion like Jacques Villeneuve, who had an Indy 500 and car, IndyCar champion, um, well past his prime, albeit um, coming over and running a race is one thing. Um, having a guy who is a world champion, oh man, it looks like we have rain. Charlotte or something. It just looked like there's, you know, but they have the end of the stage. But with Zane Smith winning another stage, it looks like not a bad race either. But it's a great point you talk about with Kimi coming, the 2007 world champion, um, somebody who dabbled in NASCAR in his retirement uh, from his first retirement from Formula One uh, with Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, briefly and um, ran this weekend, this uh, whatever, he ran the truck and he also ran. Xfinity program, a few races there with Perky Jerky, I think was a sponsor back then. Um, coming back to Trackhouse uh, with that new program, it shows that there's, there's many things that are good uh, about this next-gen car. I mean, I guess the the Denny Hamlin Dale Jr. conversation on the download is going to be is very enlightening as well in regards to the future of the sport, since Denny is well-vested in it as a co-owner of 2311 as a driver for Joe Gibbs Racing at the moment, but getting to the latter stages of his career, basically the end of his career. But getting guys like him, Kimi Raikkonen, coming over, I doubt he's going to run the full schedule. It's going to be occasional races, but maybe it would be nice to see guys like him be like, oh yeah, you know, I'll run a Coda or I'll run Watkins Glen, the road course ringer. Back in the day, the road course ringers coming and having a chance. Well, let's be honest here. This might be the best chance that a road course ringer has to compete in a cup race in a long, long time because Trackhouse has great race cars this year. Suarez, of course, qualified on pole, won the first stage at uh, Coda until he had his problems, and then Ross won his, won, won his first race. 
So um, later. So the point is you have that going. You have Kimi, you know, just coming, having fun, motivated at a beautiful, one of the best racetracks in the world, one of the most legendary racetracks in the world. So there's a lot of good that can come from that. I honestly believe the way that Daniel Ricciardo is trending, there's a better chance that he'll be in a junior motorsports car next year than he'll be in a Formula One or an Indy car, or he'll be in a NASCAR vehicle of some sort. Maybe that's the angle. Maybe Trackhouse is starting to look at, oh, you know, let's go and get this car going, see if we can get people there, and be like, hey, Danny Rick, let's do this. We can't run the three car, can't run the four car or whatever, we can't run, but we can run this car. Um, Want to go and run Cup? I mean, it would be pretty extreme to go and change that far, but that would be a big, to get a guy who was a Formula, multiple Formula One winner, um, to NASCAR to be akin to what, I mean, not to the same level, I would think, as Dario coming to NASCAR um, briefly, but he had come off of winning his first IndyCar championship at that point when he decided to come here with Ganassi. And that was at the end of a heyday, basically, in NASCAR. Once that COT came along, there was a big crash in 08, of course. There was a stock market and the businesses and all that, and that all cratered which um, that took place. There's kind of that in 04. And when the Nextel sprint came in, then they cratered again in 08. And then we've kind of seen that. Kind it's of, about to happen again this it's year. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen again. And we're, we basically only have um, full fields, 36 cars, um, with um, most of these cup races and a lot of some of these series, we have issues. One of the only ones that's really healthy is IndyCar. Um, Formula One doesn't want to go and have Michael Andretti join because they don't want to have to spread the wealth. But we'll see what all goes on with that. Um, I figure this is the moment where I'll let uh, Spencer and Joe um, let us know where we can find your stuff because then we can get into the roundup. I don't want to keep you guys. It's already Friday evening um, any longer um, where we can find you guys, find your work and um what uh and i guess whatever your social media accounts and all that i'll um throw to you first spencer in regards to where we can find your work um your website and um i guess where we i guess we can uh fans can meet you at at saint elmo's after the race right and you can go and have a have a um Twitter, whatever they called, whatever, one of those meetups or whatever, like uh, Pacris likes to do. Or maybe you can have a meetup um, at the racetrack or, or wherever you're going to be. Let us know where you can go do that with you. Sorry, I had to make sure my mic was back on. Yeah, like I said, yep. my <clears throat> website's IndyCar1909.com. Um, my personal social media handle is at SpencerNeff11. Um, all my socials... Uh, under that handle, um, look for IndyCar1909 at IndyCar1909 on, you know, all the social accounts. Um, I'll be in the paddock grandstand in stand 27 way back. Um, if anybody's looking for me, I'll have the black and hat with the IndyCar1909 logo. Um, if anybody's there, be happy to meet you and talk some racing with you or, you know, if anybody's out and about. Around Indianapolis during the next few days, or at Saint Elmo's, you know, be happy to meet you there too. So, said that's where you can find me. Um, looking forward to a great weekend of racing. 
Yeah, and thanks for coming on as always, man. And hopefully as the year goes on, as we get closer to the finish of the IndyCar series um, this year and maybe with some Road to Indy stuff going on and the rumor mill going on uh, where certain drivers may be going. Um, like we've had a couple of things already break in regards to, of course, Pato signing again, but I'm not exactly, I mean, I didn't read the article that Marshall Pruitt put out there, but I have this feeling that there's a clause that might involve him going to Europe um, if he's signed to McLaren. So there is that. Um, and then the likelihood that Alexander Rossi will be going there too. Um, they, they're saying they want to have that third car full time, but I would think that it might be a signing for him to go and take over Pat Ward's car. That's just personally my feeling with that, but, um, we will see what goes on with that. Thanks man for coming on. And for you, Joe, um, where can we catch you on your socials? I know you will be tweeting and letting us know everything during this weekend. I'll be able to let you go and do your coverage, uh, of the truck race here. We're in the second stage. So, and, yeah, uh, this looks like a pretty good race. I think Matt Crafton just said he was going to find someone and punch him in the mouth. Uh, so is, I don't know what happened there, but fun stuff. But, that's, uh, that's, yeah, can, that's just Matt Crafton any day that he's inside of a vehicle. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's just kind of what he is. Um, you find me on Twitter. That's where I'm most active at Passero junior. That's P A S S E R O J R. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be tweeting some, uh, tonight during the remainder of this truck race. I am going to hopefully be tweeting tomorrow as well during Xfinity. Um, and then of course I will be tweeting on Sunday. I'm going to try to, uh, I, I was thinking about this earlier. I kind of want to try to cover the Indy 500, obviously not to the, uh, the likes of Spencer. Maybe I'll, uh, for all my NASCAR followers out there, I'll, uh, I'll keep a Twitter feed open for Jimmy Johnson. Um, but yeah, I will definitely be on Twitter on Sunday night covering the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, and, um, I'll be doing my stage points updates. Remember three stages this week, not, not two, three. Uh, so I'll be doing those stage points updates and then you can also find me at beyondtheflag.com. Uh, I don't have a current article planned. I'm in the middle of a brainstorming process. Uh, but, uh, we'll get some articles up there soon as well. And then, uh, if anybody is listening and is going to be at Pocono Raceway on July 24th for the newly announced M&M's Fan Appreciation 400. I will be at Pocono. I uh, I will not be covering the race uh, as media, unfortunately. Um, but I will be in the grandstand at Pocono. I'll probably be doing a little bit of tweeting. Um, don't know that I'll do a, a tweet up of, of any sort, but... If you see me, come say hi. Uh, I'd love to talk racing with you. Yeah, now you're you're piqued my interest in regards because I saw the the deal for the M and M's race, whatever the the announcement there, and that caught my eye. And I was thinking about it, and it might be an idea. At least I'll have my off days. I might be able to take a day off on the Saturday and go up there for sure. And if you're going down there for both days, you should probably figure out a way to go and connect. And we can go and make it a real um deal there could do a little live hit or something do um, fortunately i'm only going to be there on sunday but if you're around uh the sunday ticket i know is uh i think if you buy uh, i don't know if the deal's still happening but after they announced the uh partnership the first 400 fans to get a ticket 
um, through a certain link in their Instagram and Pocono's uh, Instagram uh, bio, uh, first 400 fans get $18 off of a uh, 200 level seat um, for, I believe it was section 207, 209, 245, and 248. So uh, any a pretty good deal for if you're thinking about going to Pocono. Yeah, as first 400. Let's see. I'm going on there right now to see if it's still active. Um, uh, um, sorry to interject here, guys, but I saw that they're doing some sort of, I think, interview or something with, I think, Jamie Little's hosting it, and um, I want to say it's Kyle Bush, Ernie Irvin, Ken Schrader. Ken Schrader and David Gilland. Yeah, you know, all the past... Um, M&M's drivers. Everybody but Elliot Sadler. <laughs> That's oh. true. That is so true. <laughs> Somebody else. Or Elliot. That is outstanding. I didn't think about that at all until you just brought that up. That is hilarious. Oh, God bless the baloney burger. Rich Rudd the Snickers car in 07. Why aren't they including him in that? Well, Ricky Rudd's a different story. The rooster, rooster's busy with life now. You know, you can't really... Um, it's okay. And anyways, Ricky Rudd could still beat the crap out of all those guys if he wanted to, but. He also left out, uh, David Gilliland. Gilliland, I think, in 07. No, David Gilliland is, David Gilliland is there. Oh, it's he Kyle is Kyle Bush, oh, David yeah, Gilliland, and Ernie Irvin. I had to mention Ricky Rudd, because Ricky Rudd and I share our birthday, be it 36 uh, years. Um, uh, I didn't, I didn't know the, um, story about Larry McReynolds, uh, crew guy, and the, oh, green means green. Green means good. Or green yep. Means- oh. yep. That that always bothers me. He told yep. that story. There's many Larry McReynolds stories that kind of get to me with the 28 car because I always loved the Texaco Havlin car. And that's one of them that will always bother me because he wins that race. He wins a championship probably. Uh, well, that was – If he doesn't. Wasn't that DW's second like last win? That was his last win too, which makes oh, it even worse. Yeah, which makes it even worse for me because that squawking dog had another freaking Southern Five Hundred that he shouldn't have won. But whatever, I'll go off on a DW tirade here before I let you guys go and have to do the roundup. That'd be a good one. Hating on old old codgers. That's great. Um, oh, since I- it's fruit of fruit of a brother is not called. Well, probably calling this race and saying nothing of value, but. Um, yeah, so thanks to you, John. And see, now now you got me thinking because with the M&M's thing, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to go look at it. We're going to see because they're going to have it at the fan zone. That's possible. I might go and uh, I have to talk to a couple of people. If I'm going to go and do that, I should go and do it. Um, I have to go and look where the seats are, too. You're going to go and fan appreciation offer. Yeah, I would do. Yeah, and why, why wouldn't I go and sit up in the 200 level? If I'm going to go and bake myself, I might as well bake myself higher. Um but yeah, that's a great deal. That's something, and it's an M and M's race. So, and just anything that would go and get Ernie Irvin out of uh, out that, that for me as an Ernie Irvin fan, dude, it, it would be pretty cool. Um, so yeah, we will see about that. Um, I'll let you guys go because we have a couple other things we have to cover and other racing series here. We thank you for coming on the GSP, and hopefully. Uh, as the year goes on, we'll be able to reconnect and maybe do this because I think this is pretty fun. The four of us doing this together, um, collaborating. So um, we'll go and connect as we go along the rest of the year, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, it's been fun. Oh, I'm sure I'll be back. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure you guys will be back too. Yeah, thanks for all right. You know, it's been 
A lot of fun. Yep. All right. Take care, right, guys. everyone. Enjoy <laughs> the greatest weekend, greatest day in motorsports, and uh, let us know. Give us some good shots at Indianapolis there, Spencer. Let us know when you take that first bite of the shrimp cocktail and get your live um, facial um, reaction. I'm sure you're experienced with the shrimp cocktail. So um, I replied to Scott McLaughlin the other night. The first time I did it back in 2011, I took a big bite and my face turned red. And the waiter just looks at me and he's like, I love that. Yep. That's that's kind of like what I'm hoping for, um, even though we're friends. I kind of want to see that, and that's cool. Um, so we could use that as one of our sh- pictures since Josh has a picture of me getting a Charlie horse, and he has, like, the frozen – like, he has the freeze frame of me prior to me going and suffering from the Charlie horse. So um, And you were kinda, disconnected too. So Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's just great. That's how our we're, we we are friends that way. So we just like to see each other in pain. Um, that's part of what makes a GSP so great. Um, well, and Joe, I'll yeah, get my family on the horn then because I've I've sent everybody the link to this podcast. So I'll I'll get you in touch with them or them in touch with you for all the embarrassing stories and photos of me. That's yeah, <laughs> no, it, it's more we'll keep it insular to us. And then um, if they do, if the Neff family wants to humiliate Spencer on their own, you could do that on at Gripster Pod. You can send us um, pictures or you can send it on my socials and we'll go about it accordingly. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Um, and Joe will follow you. I'll be um, probably needing your uh Twitter feed to go and keep track of the race. Cause by that point, I don't know how far I'll be in the bag at the V um, um, after watching at the barbecue that we're going to have there um, on Sunday. So um, by that point, I don't know. I think I might make it to about halfway personally. Um, that's, a, that's about as far as I can. Get. And if the race is as bad as it has been in recent years, it may not even last that far. It might get me to lap 125 and then I'll, I'll go home and go to sleep. But we will see about that. So thanks, guys, for coming on. All right. Thank you. Take care, y'all. Yeah. Take care. So, yeah, so we will go and uh, get into the roundup here in just a moment. Uh, Josh, I mean, uh, anything, I guess, before we get into the roundup, is there anything else you've been thinking about before we, because I know you have your sim segment coming up here in a little bit, but any thoughts so far on the weekend um, we've had or practice or any of the stuff that's been happening before we move forward? No, I mean, you know, it's just a exciting, you know, to, for this weekend to come along and, you know, unfortunately we had a couple of incidents today, Daniel Ricardo getting into the wall and um, Colton Herta getting on his lid and then you know, David Malukas, uh, also crashing in turn one, but uh, should be an exciting weekend of racing. And you know, between all three series, and you know, each of them will have different tastes and uh, different storylines. And you know, we'll see uh, what happens. And um, you know, excited to watch all of it. And you know, of course, all the exciting other developments that uh, excuse me that came out of uh, the, the news. You know, with um, Amy Raikkonen, you know going to try out NASCAR. That should be a fun event. Um, you know, and of course, uh, uh, how to award resigning, um, to that could go either direction with IndyCar or in 
uh, Formula One if they decide to put him in an F1 car. So we'll we'll have to see. But you know, I'm glad this weekend is here for sure. Yeah, and it's um, it's just exciting, you know. Now, I mean, yeah, I have to work tomorrow, but really, it's not going to be that long of a day, and um, it's been an interesting week for sure. Got a lot of stuff I have to take care of here, uh, but it's just nice to know we're going to have a nice weekend of racing coming up. Of course, with these three big races, um, but there's been plenty of racing took place last week. Of course, Formula One. Um, Ran last week the Spanish Grand Prix. The, we talked about that briefly. We talked about um, the, the qualifying and the All Star Race for NASCAR and all that bit. Excuse me. So we'll get into the roundup here um, from last week. Uh, we have Formula Two, Formula Three, and W Series all ran at uh, Catalonia in Race One at. And both races in Formula 2, Felipe Drogovic won. Uh, Logan Sargent ended up finishing third in the first race, and Jan Druvula finished fourth. And that was in race one. In race two, not as uh, Logan Sargent finished fourth. Um, Jahan Druvula had issues and DNF'd uh, out of that race with a couple laps to go. The standings going into this weekend's race at Monaco um, sees Drogovic with a 25-point lead on Teo Pocher. Daruvula is leading a tight battle for third. It's only from third to tenth is 11 points, and um, even getting past that to 11, 14 points between third and twelfth. So it's really uh, um, 16 to Vesti and 19 to Clement Novalak. So from third to 14th is really... Um, pretty competitive. Logan Sargent right now is sixth in points. So uh, good good running for him, uh, trying to go and in his first year in Formula 2. So I think he is the best rookie right now. Or maybe, yeah, I think he's the best rookie right now, Logan Sargent. Or other than Liam. Yeah, him and Liam Lawson are his only point. I think Liam Lawson is rookie too. So there is that. Um, Formula 3 going into... Um, this weekend they'll be running, or they're not running. Uh, their next race will be at Silverstone for whatever reason. So um, they ran at Spain. Uh, Victor Martins won race two. David Vidalis won race one. Jack Crawford, uh, the American Red Bull uh, Junior, finished second. Juan Manuel Correa finished fifth. Kalen Frederick finished seventh. So pretty prolific uh, for the American drivers there. Uh, three Americans in the top seven. Um, and in race two, um, as I mentioned, Martins won. Uh, Crawford finished sixth. Kalen Frederick ninth. Monument Mel Correa tenth. The standings see Martins up by three points on Roman Stanek, ten points on Crawford. And the battle for second in points is pretty tight. Uh, nine points between second through fourth. Artur Leclerc has a two-point lead in Oliver Bierman. Franco Colapinto is in seventh. Correa, ninth. Kushmini, the Indian driver. Um, there's like Kalen Fredericks, 12. Kushmini, 16. So going, they'll have a long break between their next race there. Uh, the W Series uh, continues the trend of Jamie Chadwick winning 
their next race will be at Silverstone as well. Uh, she wins over Abby Pulling and Alice Powell. Uh, her teammate, Chadwick's teammate, um, Chloe Chambers, ended up a lap down in last, unfortunately. The point standing so far, um, Jamie Chadwick is 39 points ahead of um, ahead of Abby Pulling and, what is it, uh, 45 points ahead of Alice Powell. Chambers is 11th. There's still um, five drivers that haven't scored points so far in the series going into the British Grand Prix weekend that'll be coming here in a month, month's time. Uh, World Superbikes were at Estoril last week, um, and it's been an interesting battle there. Johnny, Ray, um, and Toprak, Raz Gadlioku, the defending world champion there gave up a, a win in race one to um, to Alvaro Bautista, and then uh, Johnny Ray won the sprint, the Super Pole race, and then held off Bautista in the second race. Vandermark, Fritz, Redding. I'm trying to find out what the heck happened to um, Garrett Gerloff because Garrett Gerloff didn't even. Um, race in the race there last week um, at Garrett Gerloff, walking wounded. Yeah, third rider to withdraw. Oh, he crashed in practice. Okay. One of the weekend podium contenders and FP1 high side. Nine. Oh, so Gerloff's room. Okay. Yeah, so he got knocked out after Philip Ortel and then Javi Forez took over for them. Michael, Michael Vandermark. Um, they didn't replace him either. So there you go. He got hurt. I figured that's what it was. Um, in regards to the race races, though, I mentioned the results there, the points going into, um, the next round of the championship, which will be in Misano a few weeks from now, uh, sees the, um, Alvaro Bautista up by 17 points on Johnny Ray, Raz Gadlioku, in his title defense is, what is it, 52 points back. Um, Gerloff, of course, missing this round. He's now 12th. He's had a rough uh, start to the season. Anyway, uh, Yamahas are a little bit off uh, relative to, I mean, this factory Yamaha duo is third and fourth, but after that, um, it's not as um, um, good for those guys. We'll um, move to, we got through all those, supercars at Winton. For once, uh, it wasn't a uh, a win by the Red Bull team, the Triple Eight effort. They actually um, lost a race for once, so that was nice. Um, in race one, um, Cam Waters won in the Monster Energy, Tickford Ford over Shane Van Gisbergen and David Reynolds. Three Fords were in the top five in that race. In race two, Cam Waters ended up, Let's see. Is this loading so slow? Yeah. Van Gisbergen beat Cam Waters and David Reynolds is third. Lee Holdsworth fourth. Chad Monster, Chaz Monsters fifth. So the same top five from the first race. And then, yeah, there's that. Trying to. And then in race three, Cam Waters won over Sheen Van Gisbergen, Andre Heimgardner, David Reynolds, Will Brown, uh, Lee Holdsworth finished sixth. The standings heading into Darwin here in three weeks' time. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen leads the points over uh, Anton Di Pasquale, who is 130 some odd points back. 
uh, roughly, and Will Davison is third. So the two um, DJR cars are second and third. Cam Waters up there is great weekend is now in fourth. And Brock Feeney, who's Van Gisbergen's teammates in fifth in a tight battle between himself, Mostert, and David Reynolds. The last thing we'll get into in the roundup here is Rally Portugal. Um, last week, go back into that Rally Portugal, which saw Loeb, or Sebastian Loeb, the good, the bad, future legend, go through all that. Allowing Cali Rovampera. Cali Rovampera wins the Rally Portugal over Elfrin Evans, his teammate, and Danny Sordo in the Hyundai. So three Toyotas in the top four, Hyundais um, in third, fifth, and sixth. And then the first Ford was Pierre-Louis Lobet in seventh. Um, Cars trying to see... Some of the people that fell out or had issues there, Sebastian Ogier had to um, um, had issues and had to come back in the race and got penalized, of course, from with the um, I guess the I forget what they call it, the Rally Two format or whatever, where they go and restart, but they take like a huge penalty in time. Uh, you have some of the other people there in Rally, you know, trying to look for Sebastian Loeb as well. Um, you know, OJ, Sebastian Loeb did, was knocked out of the race. So, but he's looking to run more races. So that's cool. OJ, of course, is uh, busy with his sports car commitments, um, in LMP2 in the world endurance championship there. So that is that for the roundup for this week. Um, Josh, uh, let us know in the, in, after you've had a few days, to um, experience and fully um, think about this. Any uh, further thoughts of your um, triumph at Indianapolis um, and uh, the hunger to want to go and do more after going and being able to win such a big race? I mean, it's a huge confidence booster. And, you know, we talk about, um, you know, the event itself. I mean, it's uh, glad to be able to finally win it. I mean, I've only, only second attempt. So, um, well, uh, I mean, it's probably four or five attempts if you count all the actual events I entered. But I mean, you know, the consecutive have only been doing this two consecutive years. Um, it's a great, you know, great feeling to have and everything. But now go back to all the normal eye racing stuff, of course. And um, actually, not sure if I'll do anything this week on on the sim, but maybe in the next couple of weeks and everything. But uh, I mean, the race eye racing uh, Indy five hundred win. I mean it gives us confidence that we'll be able to try to actually make the open wheels 500 field in November, um, and everything. So we'll see how that goes and have to work on the setup, but you know, obviously already have a good set, uh, going for me being in the, uh, having won the iRacing Indy 500. So should be a, a good, good attempt there. Um, you know, in, um, recent weeks, of course, uh, kind of doing topic switch, uh, from iRacing, but still on sim racing. Um, seems like i don't know if you've paid attention to the news the uh, motorsport games you know they supposed to be the new nascar game developer and the new indycar game developer um don't really have a whole lot of details but you know it seems like um their shares their stock is like uh in the tank apparently and they've been 
I guess like investors have been trying to figure out like what's going on with this company and uh, if they're actually going to develop a game. And seems like seems like it's all a scam that's uh, coming out of this company. And it's unfortunate that we've trusted, or well, I guess NASCAR and IndyCar has trusted uh, this company to develop their games uh, for the consoles. And um, you know. Th- doesn't look like uh, much is going to come out with it. And I saw a post, uh, I guess they had a vendor display. The um, the IndyCar game had a vendor display at the uh, F1's garage in Indianapolis. And it looks like all it was is just R-Factor 2 with a sim uh, simulator. They didn't actually develop anything uh, for that or uh, show the game in progress. They basically displayed the game, what it looks like to be R-Factor 2 as uh, the IndyCar game coming out next year. Um, so that tells you how much they actually are in credibility. Um, and, uh, you know, there's some other people online that have better content or have a little bit more in-depth explanation, but in short, you know, just looks like that we've, tr- or, you know, IndyCar, especially IndyCar, because there's already NASCAR games, and, of course, they're somewhat already partnered with iRacing, but IndyCar is trying to partner with this company for their console games and trying to expand it into, like, the official IndyCar experience, I guess, and everything. And now, um, I don't know what's going to come out of this game, but um, it's unfortunate um, because we deserve to have a good IndyCar game, deserve a good NASCAR game for consoles and even for PC outside of iRacing if you want, you know, more uh, game or, I guess, series-specific gameplay. So uh, that's all I got to say about that, but... Um, you know, as of course, you know, you can always find the stream where the iRacing Indy 500 replays, both fixed and open setup, and along with uh, all the clips from that on the Twitch uh, thing at twitch.tv slash utiler2. Go watch that and check that out. Uh, follow it, you know, subscribe or whatever. And, um, you know, we'll have the content out uh, when we do. And uh, I'll make sure to let everybody know when I go live uh, there. And then uh, transition into the close, of course, you know, you can follow me at uh, JP Huffine on Twitter and all social media platforms and you know, follow me for all my takes. And, you know, of course, follow our uh, Gripship Pod handle at Gripship Pod and uh, you know, follow both me and Phil and uh, see our takes as we, you know, go throughout this Memorial Day weekend and watch all the great racing we have to have. Um, and of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, the Gripshire Podcast or Gripshire Podcast at on YouTube, and subscribe to our uh, latest, you know, and greatest that we have there. Of course, we already have our episode one fifteen with uh, uh, Joe and uh, Spencer, which is up there now on YouTube. And of course, we'll go ahead and produce this one and have that up there soon. Uh, so go there, like like, subscribe, and comment, and uh, you know, follow for more content. Of course, we did. Or I did uh, re- start the recording of episode 115 when we were, you know, in the pre pre episode streaming. So you get a little bit of bonus content, and as we kind of talked amongst ourselves before officially recording the podcast. So you know, check that out. Uh, check that out. So uh, you know, glad to always talk about it with you, Phil, and you know, let you uh, close out the night for us. Absolutely, brother. Um, it's having fun uh, as always, and having good friends on. We're good friends. We do our thing here usually once a week, but this week we had to do it twice because it's such a big weekend. Um, We'll be back next week early on episode 117 to recap all these big races that took place. Uh, Monaco, Indy, and Charlotte on the Gripshire podcast. You can follow me at Philip G. Matthew. I'll, I'll be on there this weekend tweeting, especially on Sunday. I'll be available. I'll also be on the 
Grid Talk podcast. Unfortunately, I missed last Monday's hit previewing the Monaco Grand Prix, but I'll be on the post-race show for the Grid Talk podcast. That's George Housen and company over there. Ruby Price will be hosting that show, so it'll be nice to be on there prior to going over the V for the um, barbecue. And I'll be tweeting out about the Indy 500 and Coke 600 uh, from there, more than likely. Um, then we'll come back on Monday and recap all the races here on the show. Um, follow me there on Twitter. You can follow us at GripstripPod on Twitter as well for our content and maybe any other um, other stuff. Of course, our YouTube page, as Josh mentioned, uh, the Gripstrip Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Verbal. Um, looking to expand out past that, of course. Um, just glad that we're, you know, being able to invite good people on. Hope to have more great people on as the year um, continues. Lots of great racing going on here as the summer picks up. So we'll have plenty to talk about on the Gripshire podcast before we get into football season. Um, really taking off in the month of July and August. So have a lot to lead in on that. So we thank you for listening to Gripshire podcast. We thank you for your support. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, anything you want us to go and talk about or, or cover, hit us up on our socials. See if you want to be on the show, let us know as well. We're interested to have new people on. Um, it'd be great to have some new fresh, uh, talent in regards to people who love this sport on the Gritcher podcast. So we thank you for listening. We thank you for all your support and, um, take care of one another, um, be good to one another. It is a tough time in our society in general and should be nicer to people who make the life easier. Um, and for those who um, sacrifice, we thank you, uh, the men and women who have paid that sacrifice to give us the freedom we have um, during this Memorial Day weekend. Um, and we're grateful to you and we're grateful to those who do serve right now for us that actually are serving, um, and keeping us safe as well. So for all that and for everybody, thank you for listening to Gripshire podcast. Take care. Goodbye.